Well, folks, now that Donald Trump has had his fourth indictment, technically four and a half, if we're going to count the superseding indictment as like a half a one. But anyway, Monday evening, Donald Trump was indicted once again, along with uh, 18 other co-conspirators. And by the way, there's also 30 unindicted co-conspirators in the indictment. So that's something to keep an eye on, especially considering the fact that those 30 unindicted co-conspirators could end up becoming indicted co-conspirators at any given moment. But before we get into that, let's talk about the 18 unindicted or indicted, excuse me, co-conspirators along with Donald Trump. Obviously we're all aware of Donald Trump, uh, you know, the Rico conspiracy fraud, all of that, but it's these other folks that is far more interesting to me. Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Ken Chesbrough, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, Ray Stalling Smith, Sidney Powell, Roberg Cheeley, Michael Roman, uh, David Schaefer, Sean Still, Stephen Lee, Garrison Floyd, Trevian Cuddy, Misty Hampton, Kathy Latham, Scott Hall. All of these people are now faced with a choice. You can do one of two things and nothing more at this point. Face the prospect of going to jail for a minimum of five years because of the racketeering charges. That's what they carry in Georgia. No less than five years, countless legal fees, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees or play. Let's make a deal with the prosecutors. That of course is one of the benefits of Rico. You want to be let out of this. You're going to have to start singing like a canary. And if you don't, you're going down with the rest of them folks. So that is what these 18 people plus the 30 unindicted co-conspirators have to now consider. Do you want to go down for this or do you want to cut a deal with prosecutors? And by the way, the clock is ticking because every one of those 18 individuals, well, I guess technically 48 individuals, every one of them is now faced with the same choice. So you have all of these people that are now sitting there looking at these charges, all the people whose name is not Donald Trump. And they're having to wonder, is this person next to me on this list? Are they going to flip? Are they going to throw me under the bus? Because if they are, then I need to flip first. So all of them have that same kind of panic decision that they now have to make. I have to flip before my cooperation is no longer necessary. I have to flip before the person next to me in line decides to flip on me. I don't want to be the only one left holding the bag here. So I have a very important decision to make that is going to impact the rest of my life. So who's going to make the deal first? I think it's pretty obvious. There's a couple people that are totally not going to flip Sydney Powell. Cindy Powell ain't flipping on anybody. She's still based on what we know, like she actually believes this stuff. And based on, you know, what I talked about yesterday, it seems like a lot of Donald Trump's allies already plan on flipping against Sidney Powell. So it's unlikely that Sidney is going to be the one to say, Hey, all right, let me uh, have a moment of clarity here and tell you everything that actually happened. That ain't going to happen. Sidney <laughs> Powell's going to go down with that ship. Honestly, I think Rudy Giuliani is the same way. 
I fully believe that Rudy Giuliani thinks he can beat these charges, thinks he can help everybody out. So I don't think Giuliani is going to be the one to flip. I think it's going to be some of the smaller players, not the smallest players, right? Not the people from Coffee County, uh, you know, the, the folks who let the people in to copy all the voting data. And, you know, they ended up getting hit with the uh, impersonating charges. But uh, I do think maybe former Republican Party chair in Georgia who was indicted. I, I think that's a good possibility. Mark Meadows. There's already speculation that Mark Meadows has flipped with Jack Smith and is cooperating with that investigation. Otherwise, he likely would have been indicted along with Donald Trump. And if Mark Meadows is cooperating in that investigation, it's likely that he could end up cooperating in this one to work out a joint deal. So who knows? Because there will, by the way, be plenty of overlap between the two cases. I mean, obviously the cases are very similar. It's just, uh, Fonnie Willis's is centralized in Fulton County. Jack Smith's covers basically everything. So there's a lot of overlap there. So if Meadows is working with Jack Smith, he will likely work with Fonnie Willis as well, but that's what we know. These individuals, the 48, the 18 indicted, the 30 unindicted, they all have a choice to make and they don't have much time to make it. You can either be the one left holding the bag or you can be the one to throw your formerly good friends under the bus. And unfortunately, folks, those are your only two options at this point. In a bit of an odd turn of events, a group of conservative legal scholars, including Republican appointed former judges, They've now filed an amicus brief with judge Tanya Chutkin in New York, or excuse me, in Washington, DC, concurring with special prosecutor, Jack Smith's request for a January 2nd trial date. So a group of conservatives, legal scholar, conservatives have filed a brief saying, we agree that Donald Trump needs to have a very early trial. Now, whether or not this amicus brief has any bearing whatsoever on the judge's decision, I don't know that it necessarily would. Trump's constant attacks of the judges and other potential witnesses, however, that is definitely going to come into play. And I do think it's likely that we could see a January trial, but they got to be careful, right? Because Donald Trump also has another trial in January for his second E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit. So, you know, you got to work out the logistics on that. But here is what these conservative legal scholars said in their brief. There is no more important issue facing America and the American people and to the very functioning of democracy than whether the former president is guilty of criminally undermining America's elections and American democracy in order to remain in power, notwithstanding that the American people had voted to confer their power upon the former president's successor, President Joseph Biden. Nothing less is at stake than the American experiment in democracy and democratic government that began with our nation's founding almost 250 years ago. They also added that, by the way, the request for a speedy trial respects and serves the former president's own interest in a speedy trial. So they're also pointing out like, listen, this isn't Trump's best interest too. Now, what I can't figure out is which side are these conservative legal scholars falling down on, right? Are y'all actually in favor? Like, do y'all want to see Trump convicted or do you want to see him not convicted? 
And to be honest, the answer to that question doesn't matter whatsoever. Because if they want to see him not convicted, then obviously it would be in his interest to get the trial over with before too many primaries and caucuses are underway. Him having these looming trials is going to weigh on conservative voters' minds when they go for the primaries and caucuses. I know it doesn't seem like it now, but as these things keep piling up, eventually they're going to take their toll on him. And if he's not guilty, if he's found not guilty by a jury of his peers, the conservative voters are going to want to know that before they cast their vote for somebody else instead of him. And if he is guilty, according to a jury of his peers, those conservative voters also want to know that before they cast their vote for him instead of for somebody else. So really it's in the Republican party's best interest to get this trial going in early January. And I think that is probably, I mean, I can't speak for them obviously, but I think that's probably where these, uh, legal scholars are coming from because they're conservatives. I get it. And they say, listen, okay, obviously we got some, we got some voting happening next year. We got a very important Republican primary. We need to get this out of the way before it's too late to get it out of the way. Now think about that for a second. When did judge Cannon set her trial for the documents case? She set that all the way next May, which of course, by that point, Trump will have already won the nomination. So all those states that vote before that May verdict comes out, they may have voted for somebody who ends up being a convicted felon and they didn't want to. Or they may vote for somebody else, even though Trump gets exonerated when they originally wanted to vote for him. That's actually not fair to them. That's, I think, what's weighing heavily on the minds of these conservative legal scholars. Let's get the trial. Let's convict him or find him innocent so we can have a primary where people are not affected by this. They can make their decision based on what the jury decides, because if he's not guilty, he is 100% going to be their nominee. But if he's convicted, it gives the Republican party plenty of time to find somebody else and finally be done with Donald Trump. So really the only people who benefit from the early trial would in fact be the Republican party, which is probably why this conservative group is wanting the trial to get over with as quickly as possible. So now that Trump has been indicted in Georgia, right? The last shoe to drop out of all the Trump indictments, everybody is speculating on what he could be looking at in terms of prison. And because of that, everybody's also wondering, is Trump going to get pardoned by somebody? Well, I've talked about this in the past, but I think we need to go into obviously a little bit deeper detail uh, because Georgia, the state of Georgia is one of four states in the nation where the governor does not actually have pardon power. So Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of the state of Georgia could not pardon Donald Trump, even if he wanted to. And based on his post on social media yesterday, calling out Trump's election lies again, doesn't seem like Brian Kemp would want to do that. Instead, the state of Georgia has a pardon board made up of people appointed by the governor. So it's conservative. Sure. But that board is who makes the determinations on who gets a pardon and who does not. But Georgia law is a little tricky because you can't just, okay, well, I've been convicted. Hey, pardon board, come on, throw me one here. No, 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 no. The law in Georgia actually says you have to serve five years of your sentence 
before you can even petition the pardon board to give you a pardon. And coincidentally, right? The five years you have to wait before you can get a pardon. See the Rico charges that Fonnie Willis has hit Donald Trump with, they actually carry a minimum sentence of five years. Meaning that if Donald Trump is convicted in the state of Georgia, he will spend no less, no less than five years in prison. You cannot overcome the mandatory minimum. So Trump would be going to a Georgia state prison, most likely for at least five years. And then he would be able to petition that pardon board. So he has to wait the five years before the petition and Fonnie Willis hit him with charges that carry a minimum of five years. Now that is a hell of a coincidence, but I do think it's a coincidence, right? I mean, she didn't pick that just because of the five-year minimum and the five-year minimum wait time. She did it because, you know, there was conspiracy here. There were many players involved and you needed to get everybody and Rico is the best way to do that. But I do find it hilarious. I've got to say, I'm not going to lie. I think it is absolutely hilarious that Donald Trump is finally in a heap of trouble and there's nothing he can do about it. It doesn't matter who wins the white house in 2024, even if it's Trump, because even if that were to happen, he'd have to serve from jail. I mean, that's probably not going to look too good on the United States in the eyes of all of our foreign allies, right? Like, Hey, we're having a G seven summit. Where's, where's America. Oh, that's right. He's in a prison cell. He couldn't be here. We'll have to connect to him via zoom. So, you know, that's a possibility. I mean, that's the worst part. Like that is a real thing that could end up happening because he can't be pardoned. I mean, technically I do think the Georgia pardon board does have certain powers where they can in extreme circumstances intervene. Um, based on what I've read. So I, I do think obviously if that were to happen, if Trump wins the election, I think the pardon board would be like, yeah, that's pretty much an extreme circumstance. Should we pardon him? But then they could still say no. <laughs> so who knows what could happen? I, I think it's kind of safe to say at this point, everything's a little screwy and weird, right? A situation that we never thought we would be in as a country where the Republican front runner is definitely looking at, uh, based on all of the different jurisdictions, all the different charges, Trump's going to be convicted of something somewhere. I mean, statistically, he's not going to beat all these charges. 91 counts in four different indictments, uh, <laughs> maximum prison sentence looming out there of 712 years, like seven centuries in jail as a maximum sentence. If he's convicted on everything, um, but he could be, and he could get that sentence. And he could also end up being president of the United States with that sentence. So a very weird time for the United States. And I'm afraid it's probably going to get even more weirder before it all ends. listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fair and balanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fair and balanced.